Hi everyone, welcome to Staying Connected. Today I have Aaron with me in person. Uh, we are continuing our adventure from the VEDS Collaborative meeting yesterday. We had a family meeting today and we are able to meet in person and talk about Aaron's story. You wanna say hi? Hello. Hi. <laughs> You're here in front of me and there's, this is kind of interesting because we have other people in the room, so. <laughs> we have a, little a, bit a of, live studio audience? Yes, we have a live studio <laughs> audience. <laughs> um, okay, so Aaron was diagnosed with VEDS and he's gonna tell us more about his story. So how old are you? Uh, I'm 33. And when were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed a year and a half ago. Tell me about that. So uh, it starts with uh, my father passed away two years ago. Um, and my I have a cousin who's on that side of the family um, that during which, during, before he had passed away, had kind of uh, self-diagnosed herself with uh, vascular EDS. Um, which is a tough thing to really be able to do. Yeah. Um, she uh, she has other medical issues that she's gone through, and um, she's kind of been on the search for a long time for what sh other things that she has that she hasn't really been able to figure out um, medically. And so she had done a bunch of research and, um, and had kind of figured out or thought that she had figured out that this was something that she had. Um, her health insurance wasn't exactly the best, or mm -hmm. if at all, for, to my knowledge. Um, so she convinced her mother, my aunt, to go and get tested. Okay. Um, and to see if, she, if it was something that she ended up having, because it is a genetic issue. Um, so it could have been passed down to her. So it took my aunt, because there wasn't any prior history or anything of having beds mm -hmm. um it took a long time for her to actually get her insurance to cover it yeah so i think it was like a like a nine month to a year process to actually uh to actually get tested um during which time my dad passed away um so she after all that time of making it happen she ended up getting the test results back and she tested positive and um, she was asymptomatic and she has some of the symptoms in terms of, she's never had an event, and she's in her, I mean, she would kill me for telling what her age is, but she's, <laughs> we'll say she's in her, we'll say she's in her 40s, but she's older than that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Much older than that. Um, so she, uh, she has the signs in terms of kind of the facial aspects of it, and the, uh, some of the hypermobility, but a, the very lucid skin. Right. Um, and uh but nothing again she's been really healthy her she's she's a health freak in terms of like her diet and the way that she eats and just kind of how she lives her life it is a lifestyle for her right. um every day she wakes up and makes her shake that takes her 30 minutes to make and like <laughs> that's just her, her routine yeah um so uh so she tested positive for this and obviously it's a it's a genetic thing so her uh while her son was getting tested, or her son ended up getting tested at the same time that I was getting tested, who is the original cousin's brother. Is, okay. And, uh, and then myself. So I got my test results back and I tested positive. Um, he got his test results back and tested positive. And then the cousin that originally diagnosed herself with it ended up testing negative. <laughs> that's so interesting. Which is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so that's how, uh, that's how I actually had a previous incident where I was in a car accident like f six years ago. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe it was more. 
six or seven years ago, and uh, and they found a they did kind of a, a full body scan to see if there was any internal injuries that I wasn't aware of, yeah. um, or wasn't feeling, and they found a uh, a splenic aneurysm, um, and this is before I knew so I had. Is that like on your spleen? Like so the it's, artery that feeds it's the your artery spleen. that feeds your spleen, yeah. Okay. So they coiled that and stented that, um, without knowing that anything was in terms of you know having beds, uh, was an issue. Um, so she, uh, so once I had that done, there wasn't any complications to that surgery or anything. So yeah. there wasn't anything that kind of made them say, oh, you might have something else. Right. So I never really had any of the signs in terms of physical attributes. Um, I kind of bruised always kind of easily, but nothing that ever kind of set off any alarms or anything. So I'm kind of less in, in the typical sort of VEDS physical attributes. Okay. But then when I was diagnosed, I also, they did another full body scan. So this is a year and a half ago mm-hmm. to see if there was anything in there or in my body that would lead itself to having some sort of complications from the disease. And they found a, uh, an aneurysm, my right carotid. Um, and then I did a follow up a year later to just kind of monitor that and did another full body scan. So that was in March of this year or February of this year. Um, and they found two, uh, two dissections in each one of my iliac arteries. And which ones are your iliac arteries for people So your know? iliac arteries are the arteries that go from your, I actually don't know where it comes from, but they go basically to your legs. They're kind of the okay. main veins. It's so like around your hip. Yeah, they kind, of, they kind of go from like, from, I think it's like in front of your spine. Um, they go from the top of... And it's like your stomach area down, and then they split off into your legs. Okay. So I have one on each side of uh, dissections, one on each side of, of my legs. Do you feel those? No. And I don't feel the one in my neck either. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm lucky in that sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of more of a, the approach that was taken for me was um, was take a, uh, a blood thinner, meaning a baby aspirin every other day, and then I take, a, uh, I take labetalol. Uh, every okay. twice a day and what does that do so it's a beta blocker um, it kind of minimizes the amount of uh, kind of how your heart sort of beats mm-hmm. um, it makes it so that the amount of blood that's flowing through your arteries and your veins are going through at a little bit of a lesser speed if you will okay um, so that there's less pressure on your arteries and your veins so that it's kind of easier for them to run smoothly okay. um, without any sort of you know, complications and stuff like that. Um, the aspirin is for thinning my blood so that in the aneurysm that I have and the dissections that I have that they don't form blood clots right. that can cause things like a stroke or things like that. And that's what I'm on is as a baby aspirin mm-hmm. every day too. So Fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, super, super fun. Mm-hmm. The definition of fun. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> yes. I'd say it's a, it's a little bit more of a, of a lifestyle choice. <laughs> by choice, I mean not a choice. Right. So um, I want to go back to diagnosis a little bit. Sure. So you talked about when you got diagnosed and how you got diagnosed. Um, how did that feel? Like what did that take you to when you first got diagnosed? So I had once my aunt tested positive, that pretty much solidified that it's definitely in my gene pool. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't because I guess she could have been the only one. But because my dad had passed away and it was very sudden, he was a healthy guy. Um, and then looking back at his history, uh, he had an event when he was 
same age that I had my event at 32. Okay. Um, and then he had another event in his 50s, and then he passed away at 68. So, so what events were those? His? Yeah. So his, so the first one, which was the same as mine, was he had a uh, an artery in his colon uh, tear. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no. The first one was a perforation, sorry. When he was in his 30s, which was the same as mine, he had a perforation in his large intestine. Okay. Um, which this is probably, let's see, if he was in his 30s, this is 35 years ago or something like that. Okay. Um, so obviously medical technology and scientific evidence and things like that, especially for something like this, was basically zero. Mm-hmm. So um, I think they, I think my aunt, my aunt was the one who ended up uh, testing later, same aunt, uh, was the one that took care of him. Uh, while he was coming out of surgery, and she said that they chalked it up to the fact that he used to eat a lot of chicken, and they thought that it was like some sort of chicken bone that punctured through, like something's dumb like that. <laughs> so, so there wasn't, that was kind of just an explanation that they just, I mean, I guess they made up, because they, I can't yeah. imagine that they found a bone sticking through his large intestine or anything. Right. <laughs> um, so... So I think, so there wasn't any, you know, there wasn't any evidence to show, or I, I can't imagine that there was that much known about VEDS. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, as a doctor, I imagine that you're you're looking for an explanation, and correct. you're not seeing one, so you're just, well, you're not thinking connective tissue disorder either. Correct. You know, you're thinking of what could do this to somebody with normal tissue. Yeah. Not yeah. what's wrong with the tissue. Exactly. So that was, so that was his first event. Um, the second event was in his 50s, where... He uh, he had he was sitting at a restaurant, and he was having dinner with someone, and he said that he looked down and he was just covered in blood, up to like his chest, and he didn't really he didn't feel anything. He just all of a sudden was getting cold, and he looked down and he just noticed oh, it. Oh wow! So they rushed him to the hospital, and he had to have major surgery, and it was it was like a, you know, a near death experience for him, and he ended up coming out of it. Um, after a long time of being in the hospital and things like that, but basically he had a major artery in his colon just tear and burst and just kind of started leaking out, out and okay. internally and externally. Wow. Um, and then for the last one, was just kind of at home with my stepmom and said that he wasn't feeling so hot, and uh, and then he just, with five minutes later, gone. Wow. Yeah. Do they and know healthy. what happened? They think it was some sort of uh, stroke caused by an aneurysm yeah. um, because it was just so sudden um, and it wasn't really like a clenching your chest kind of thing so right. it wasn't a heart attack um, but now knowing that I have beds means that he must have had beds which means it's probably something related to that which is usually some sort of uh, aneurysm caused or dissection caused something but yeah. because he didn't know he was, it wasn't getting scanned or wasn't being monitored right. or anything like that Wow, yeah. so that's a that's an incredible story to go through all of those events and not. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't around obviously for the one at thirty two, but right. the fact that him and I had the same one at the same age was pretty interesting. So tell me about yours. Uh, so mine was, um, so I'd been once I had got diagnosed, uh, I got in touch with Dr. Byers and Dr. Shalhoub, mm-hmm. um, and. I came up after I got diagnosed to meet with, Dr. Shalhoub wasn't as much in the picture at that point. Right. Because um, this is like a year and a half ago. So I met with Dr. Byers, with my wife, and we kind of just got the lay of the land on what vascular EDS was and kind of the steps on what I need to do and the team that I need to put in place and all right. of that stuff. So um, 
it was kind of put in place that I was going to have a scan once a year once I found the uh, aneurysm in my right carotid okay. to monitor that as opposed to just going in and, and fixing it or removing it or whatever um, to just get a scan once a year and see if it gets larger and then kind of deal with it on a case-by-case basis. So it had been a year since that first initial scan. Mm-hmm. I had gotten another scan, um, and the plan was come up to uh, to Seattle to meet with him and Dr. Shalhoub um, to go over that scan. And so it was fly up on a Tuesday night, sleep over uh, on Tuesday night, have our consultation on Wednesday, and then leave Wednesday night, so just be here for 24 hours. Right. Um, and on the Tuesday in the afternoon before I came here, I started feeling a little just kind of nauseous, a little off, nothing crazy, but kind of I hadn't eaten that much that day, so I was like, oh, maybe I'm just like low blood sugar right. or something like that. Um, get on the plane, come to Seattle, sleep, wake up the next day. Uh, I'm with my wife. Go. My wife is from Seattle, um, and so we went to breakfast with her and her parents, and before breakfast I started like just feeling a little, like it became more painful. It, it went from discomfort to more pain. Okay. So... Um, but not like debilitating, go to breakfast, uh, start getting a little bit worse and breakfast a little bit worse, come back home before, now we're like three hours before the meeting to go over the scans with Dr. Byers and Dr. Shalhoub, um, pain's now getting like kind of bad. So I call Dr. Byers, um, ask him if I can come in early, says no problem, go in, sit with him and Dr. Shalhoub in like a, a waiting room or in like a, a consultation room. They could tell that I wasn't, like at this point now, I'm like kind of having trouble walking, having trouble sitting, just uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, they were like, let's just go get a CT scan, see what's going on. So I go down to the emergency room at University of Washington, um, and uh, I'm there for 10 minutes, and I look at my wife, and I'm like, something's wrong, something's wrong, and I just blacked out in the waiting room. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I came to, not long later, um, but I was in the emergency room, and they had, like, the EKG hooked up and everything, and it was, let's just go get that CT now. Um, so they they saw a bunch of, uh, of blood in my stomach due to internal bleeding, but it wasn't coming from a major artery or a major vein. Um, so they didn't really know exactly where it was coming from, and it wasn't like there was this onslaught of a lot of blood coming all at the same time. It right. had just kind of been slowly leaking over the past 24 hours. Um, but I'd lost a decent amount of blood, but again, it wasn't coming from somewhere that was like major, major. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, there was, at first it was, let's go in and let's find it and let's, let's stop it. Um, and kind of wrote, you know, signed all the anesthesiology paperwork and was mm-hmm. getting ready for surgery. And you guys tell me that this is what I should do. I'm in. And then the surgeon that came in that was supposed to do the surgery came in and just kind of was like, I wanted to meet the person I'm going to do this with. And started talking to him for like 10 minutes. And he's like, honestly, I thought I was going to walk into somebody that was in debilitating pain that needed to have emergency surgery right now or having like an actual dialogue. And you're obviously in some pain, but not enough that it makes me go, let's do this now. Right. So maybe because it's coming from a place that's kind of unknown and due to the condition that you have, I'd rather not do the surgery if I didn't have to. And a lot of times if it's coming from a smaller place, then that means that it'll kind of stop on its own. Right. So it was decided that why don't we just wait a minute and see if it stops and we'll monitor your blood loss and see if it's slowing down and if it eventually slows down to a stop. So they monitored me for three days mm-hmm. um, in the ICU, kind of uh, my own room or whatever. Um, and it was 
a rough because I wasn't allowed to have food or water for those three days oh, no. in case I had to get rushed into surgery. So it was like it was just a, and then they had to take my blood every fifteen minutes for those seventy two hours to monitor the amount of blood flow that was happening to see if it was like speeding up or slowing down. So it was like it was that sounds miserable. It was it was a rough <laughs> it was a rough three days, but it was a lot of I mean. Me and my wife. My wife is incredible, and she was with me the entire time, and it was kind of just a lot of, this is the most miserable thing in the world. Let's make fun of it. Right. So it was just, you kind of got to turn it into a positive at some point. And yeah. we were about to, we were, you know, three months from getting married or something. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like, oh, good timing. Like, this is going to be, <laughs> this is great. Um well, I mean, better before the wedding than at the wedding. Or sooner to the wedding where it would end right. Right, up canceling the wedding. Yeah, the exactly. Schedule. You know, at least, you know, you've got a, you've got a head start on yes. the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after the three days, they saw that the blood had stopped in mm-hmm. terms of the, the leak, um, if you will. And But I was still in pain, and they couldn't figure out what the pain was coming from. So mm-hmm. they said, let's go do another CT scan. So we get the CT scan back, and they saw air in my stomach, meaning that there was a perforation somewhere okay. in my intestine. And that's something that you can't really weight on you got to go in because then a lot of things start to cross contaminate and right. things like that I mean, you can go into sepsis right yeah so it was just kind of time to so within two hours i was in surgery and um they uh they had to take out a uh like a five inch piece of my large intestine wow. um and uh and yeah so basically i had to they kind of they cut that area off um, for the time being, that large intestine area. Yeah. Um, so at the current moment, I have a uh, I have a colostomy bag. Oh, you do. I do, um, which I've had since I guess it's March, um, and I'll have to. I went and had a test, a colonoscopy recently, to make sure that it's all healed properly over the last few months. Yeah. And everything seems good, so I'll be able to have or they'll attempt to do a reversal probably in either September or November. That's exciting. Um, to line things back up. That's really so exciting. it's good. It's so good. you just happened to be here for a scan, yeah, and then had a major event in the hospital in where the there hospital. happens to be one of like three specialists in the world. That has got to be there's a some very seren- very yeah, there's some serendipity scenario. there. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's obviously something that's happened to you recently. Yeah, you know, fairly recently. Um, how has your life changed other than that event since diagnosis? Like. Are there things that you do differently that maybe you didn't think about before? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely made me... Well, so because of just vets in general, you don't want to be as... I was a, I was decently physical in terms mm-hmm. of, like, I played volleyball every week and, uh, and didn't work out as much as I say that I worked out. Um, but, you know, some working out and things like that. <laughs> uh, but you kind of want to make sure that your, your heart rate and your... Just those kinds of things are kind of working at a minimal level so that you're not stressing your body out. Um, so because of the surgery also, uh, volleyball's kind of, I put that on pause for a little bit until I've recovered probably from the second surgery. Um, eating habits in terms of diet, just to make things kind of run smoothly in my body is just eating really healthy. Uh, not a lot of dairy, not a lot, things that are easy to digest, things that are not a lot of roughage and stuff like that because those things kind of just tend to flow through your body without it getting actually broken down. Mm -hmm. Um, So so things that are kind of easily broken down and things that are going to, you know, I think diet definitely has a lot to do with the way that your body just kind of operates. Yeah. um, And more so now than ever. Um, I love cheese more than anything. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing in the world. Um, but if you know if it's if it's going to affect the way that my 
body chemistry is kind of going through itself, then I kind of figure I got to put that to a minimum, at least for now, until I'm up and running again. But I feel like now that it's just kind of habit and just kind of part of the routine yeah. and I feel better, then you just kind of go with it. She said you keep it to a minimum. I'm guessing you still cheat with cheese every, every now once and then. in a while. You cannot have a slice of pizza if it's in front of you. Or like if there's a sandwich and it happens to have a slice of cheese on it, I might not take it off. But right. if I'm like, but if I'm ordering something, there's kind of this part of my brain that goes, don't add it. Like, let's just like, let's just keep it off. So stuff yeah. like that. So it's just, it's, it's all about balance. Yeah. And emotionally, you seem like you're doing well. Yeah. No, I'm good. I have a, I have an extremely supportive uh, wife and family and friends, and uh, everyone's just been kind of great. It's it's actually, if anything, it makes it more fun because now I can kind of give my friends dead arms and they can't punch me back. <laughs> I guess it's a perk <laughs> being able to uh-huh. hurt your friends. My friend Matt Flood is very <laughs> upset by this. <laughs> um, um. So along those lines of having a good support system, today we met a whole, like over the last two days really, we've met a bunch of people with this. And for me, you know, before this meeting, I had only met one person in person with this. Mm -hmm. So how has that been for you? It's been great. It's been a very eye-opening experience, especially listening to people that are kind of at the beginning of finding out or even if they haven't been at the beginning of finding out, at the beginning of finding out that there are other people that not only have this, but that there's research being done and that there's people across the globe that are doing this research and figuring out new drugs or different drugs that are different, uh, you know, vitamin C has been, you know, people are starting to think that that might be something that can really help with stuff like this. So um, I think not only for me to learn, because within the first you know, three to six months, you go from knowing nothing about this to just this overload of information um, on not only other people, but just kind of how this all works and how the kind of the rest of your life needs to go about itself. Mm -hmm. So um, meeting other people that not only have it is, I guess, maybe empowering. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's just somewhat that you, you feel less alone. You feel more like that there's a support system outside of your friends and your family that really know how it is to be a part of this. And also that, you know, my case, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, yes, I have not a great version of this disease, but there are people that unfortunately are having a tougher time mm-hmm. that you kind of, you start, it kind of puts things into perspective. Um, and when you meet people that do are having a rougher time that also have a positive outlook and that are being proactive about it and are putting together their medical teams so that if something happens, like all of these things that you kind of put into place kind of makes you go, okay, this is doable. Yeah. Like people, whether they have it the same or have it worse or have it better, it's just, it's all kind of one community that are trying to come together and find funding for this and to advance the, 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 just just figuring out how to deal with this on a scientific basis and on a personal basis it's great yeah i feel pretty much pretty much the same yeah. it's been it's been amazing it's like to meet you and all of the other people here and even the people who don't have it and their families are here you know their family members passed away and and they're doing their best to to raise awareness and participate yeah. in funding for research and all of these things it's super incredible to see and it's super super hope providing to see 
you know, Shireen Shalhoub and Peter Byers and Melissa Russo and Shane Morris, like these, these yeah, names Lauren. of doctors that you see online or something and then you finally get to meet them. Is pretty cool. Yeah, they're almost and like <laughs> they're just like like celebrities in this right. world that, that are that just know. I mean, especially I mean, Shireen and Peter. I mean, I have trouble calling them by their first names. Me I call too. them by Peter. <laughs> I call them by Doctor Byers and Doctor Shalhoub. I'm just getting used to. Yeah, it. yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'm not there yet. Um, it they've. I mean, especially since I was here and and they. I mean. Dr. Shalou was literally holding my hand as I was getting wheeled into the emergency room to have the surgery. And, like, it's just the amount of... And these are people that don't have this disease that are just kind of fascinated by it and want to know and want to help and are just, in this selfless way, just wanting to be advocates for it. And there's really no reason outside of just sort of a, a personal need to be a part of this community and to help and yeah it's it's I mean it's it's very inspiring it is for sure is there anything else that you wanted to share with the listeners or I mean I, only that it's it really is great to and first of all what you're doing is fantastic just in terms <laughs> of getting the the word out on on what this is and that people aren't alone and and they're you know for me it was at first it was, okay, so I'm only going to tell my family. And then it was, all right, I should probably tell my friends too because what am I going to keep this a secret? And and you kind of start, everybody has their own sort of path on, on how they need to either tell people or don't tell people. And there are people that have it in their family that don't want to get tested. And you just kind of, you don't want to judge anyone because yeah. you can't because everybody's, everybody, there are no rules to any of this. So it's whatever makes you feel comfortable. For me, I think it's been great learning and meeting people like you that I'm just learning stuff that I didn't know anything about any of these societies that some of these people have that are raising awareness and raising funds. And it's just, it's, if, if you're feeling uncomfortable or you're feeling scared, it is a scary thing and it's not, it's not to be held lightly, but the more that you kind of put yourself out there, the more that, at least for me, it's been sort of it, it's made me feel safer inside my own sort of world where it's like okay even if though I'm going through my day-to-day life and it, nobody that I'm really interacting with has this or knows anything about it you kind of got it in the back of your head that there's like there's a small community that really does get it and yeah. if you need something like that they're I mean right everybody's there. an email away yeah they're and, right there and a lot of these people most of these people are willing to get on the phone with you if they want to or a Skype call or we'll even meet you if they're in your city or yeah. whatever it is there are these conferences that we've had this week it's like there's people around that want to help and want to communicate so if you want to be one of those people or you're hesitant but in the back of your mind you're like I would love to talk to somebody about this that yeah. really gets it they're around yeah that's you just gotta reach out but you have to reach out <laughs> yeah you do and Along those lines, you know, I'm always open to talking to people with this. So if you're listening and you have this and you want to share your story, please reach out. I'm, I'm not a scary person. <laughs> you are like the least scary person on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to be too intimidating. Um, but yeah, reach out and, and we'll talk. Whether or not you want to be on the, on the podcast or you just want to talk about your story with somebody, you know, there are people out here. So... Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. <laughs> it's really been great to meet you. Very, very so. much to meet you as well. Thank you.
you. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This was Staying Connected, and this was Aaron. Um, episodes are coming out on the last Sunday of every month, and hopefully that schedule will continue for a very long time, if not get more frequent, hopefully. But for right now, last Sunday of every month. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you soon.